All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When the queen calls and says, Shaletta, Put me on your show. I have something to say. You say yes, ma'am. That is how it went down pretty much with Miss Relinda Watts. Uh, Relinda speaks, and she is on the line speaking with me tonight on WCCO Radio. Thank you for being with me. It is 1035 at night. That's love that you are staying up with me this late at night to talk on the radio. Now, it's one thing if I call you and we're in our pajamas and we're just hanging out, chatting like girlfriends, talking and shooting the breeze and giggling and we got our pajamas on. But it's another thing to sit up and think and talk on this radio. So I know there's a difference. I appreciate you being here. Of course, always, anytime, anytime. Thanks for having me. Now, you said you wanted to talk about what? Yes, so um, this past weekend was the um, People of Color Conference, which is sponsored by the National Association of Independent Schools. And there are many uh, independent schools in your area and across the country. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I've been researching and talking a lot about is this idea of the Blacksidus. And that is when black teachers can't deal anymore with the racism and the microaggressions that they experience daily that they end up leaving their institutions and we know already across the country there is a shortage of teachers in general but in particular right we know that there's a disparity when it comes to black educators and so i really open this conversation about why that's happening and the idea of black fatigue that really um there's just so much going on that teachers are saying hey Like, I can't do this anymore because the exhaustion and just the extra weight that comes with having to be black and wanting to show up as your authentic self um, in a predominantly white space um, brings on um, a myriad of challenges and um, enough is enough. Okay, so and I know the teachers are done. I mean, they are exhausted. I have sat in on Zoom meetings with my children just to make sure that my kids are keeping up and they've got their face in the little square and they're muting when they're supposed to mute and unmuting when they're supposed to unmute. And what these teachers are doing, turning into IT professionals, keeping the kids engaged, um, learning new strategies and techniques uh, to teach children virtually is just uh, amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But when you throw the element of uh, microaggression and racism and that Mm -hmm. stressor um, teachers are saying that's it. And and Mm -hmm. we already don't have very many African-American, especially male teachers in the classroom. I just had black men speak on my radio show last Saturday. They just got a grant to try to recruit more Mm -hmm. teachers. You know, how did you notice um, in in your um, background and and immersing yourself um, in this, you know, educational setting that this was a problem and it needed to be addressed? Well, you know, it's coming out of this idea of, you know, the racial reckoning that we experienced in the summer of 2020 and, you know, corporations, businesses and schools, right, all committed, you know, to doing better, committed to 
um, wanting to be, um, you know, anti-racist and really trying to deal, you know, with some of the pervasive anti-blackness that exists within the institution. Um, however, a lot of those promises fell short. And a lot of those promises just were at the surface of, well, if we have more, right, if we try to recruit more, then that's going to solve our diversity problem. But the thing is, is that if you don't think about retention, if you don't think about the culture of the school, right, where somebody cannot merely just survive, but how they can thrive, you actually are doing more harm than good. And so that's what's happening because still these institutions are still overwhelmingly, you know, white and that's who these institutions were created for. So it's actually, you know, a false start in trying to just look at the representation alone of your teaching faculty. You actually have to do some deeper work to think about the culture of the school and, and what kind of culture are you cultivating um, where everybody can show up as their authentic selves. And so we've really just seen, you know, from the research um, that actually it's in many ways, even more of a microscope on some of these teachers because the idea was like, oh, if we get them, okay, we're done, right? We can just check the box off and we've done our diversity work. But actually, these teachers are under a microscope and they're really expected to actually, you know, do more than what their responsibilities are in the classroom. You know, they are expected to be the spokesperson, right, on race. That a DEI, right. That, that's supposed yes. to math teach, and all of a sudden they're doing DEI. It's like, what the hell? I just want to hey. teach the kids how to carry the one and use the greater than, less than, or equal to symbol. How am I the DEI person? Absolutely. And so that's, again, that false start of you have this unrealistic expectation, right, of these teachers who already are taxed, but then also they have to deal with the racism and the microaggressions and the other discriminatory behavior, you know, that they experience. And the thing is, is that people sometimes think that it has to be something that is so, you know, overt, but really it's these small, like, little things of just even having to prove, you know, that you belong. One of the the um, research participants shared, you know, that when they first started on the, at their school, you know, someone said, oh, you're the diversity hire. And so already oh. just, you know, not giving them, you know, the respect, you know, for the expertise and the experience, right, that they bring, but just this assumption of, oh, you're only here because, you know, we needed to, you know, do some work in this area. And so it's things like that, that from the beginning of one's journey, I mean, already the culture is sharing with them, right, how they're valued, how they're seen, how they're heard. And so there's just some real work to do, you know, in this area. Okay, so folks are like, okay, so Relinda Watts, I don't know her. She is an expert, author, consultant, educated speaker, practitioner, storyteller, podcaster, Columbia University. Um, and, and you, um, you know, have been in this field, you are doing this work, you are doing this research. And um, what you are finding um, is, for me, is troubling, because if this is what the teachers are seeing um, in the classroom, and they're leaving, then Rolinda, how do we bring uh, more African-American teachers. How does black men teach, do their job uh, in recruiting more if we can't keep the ones we got? Absolutely. Well, I think it starts from, you know, the schools. If they are saying that they, one, they have to understand that black teachers, you know, really brought up black male teachers bring value to their school community. Like, and that is real. And so I think if schools can first start to think of 
from that level of we know that this is a perspective and an experience that we don't have a part of our community, what can we do really to attract that? But then also, what are we going to do to ensure that someone stays? And so sometimes it takes years to cultivate those relationships. And and for for as many years that they were void of that voice and that perspective, it's going to take some time to actually get that perspective because there's a lot of distrust, right? And rightfully so. But I think it's identifying that this is a perspective and an experience that we know that we need. And so how are we going to really build those relationships to where someone will say, wow, I want to work here. But then is that school then saying, yes, we want you here and we want you to be your full self. We want you to show up authentically. So let's talk about other policies, you know, regarding hair, where right away that takes black teachers out, you know, if that's um, one of those underlining, you know, policies that, you know, show up where someone is critiquing, you know, how you um, come to work groomed. And so I think even something like that, we need to talk about it. And and we know that this happens to children, right, where children get sent home for having their hair in braids, et cetera, and otherwise. So what does that look like for the adults that you want Girl. to step into your community? Girl, it's right. just, yeah, yeah. And and I got a girlfriend, she has been an elementary school counselor for 25 years. And, and so I see it in her, the struggle every day to do it um, with a smile. And, you know, and she is not one to speak up and speak out. And it's taking a toll on her body. It's taking a toll mm-hmm. on her relationship with her husband and her children. It's taking a toll um, on her health and, and her her mental as well as physical health. And, and so for the teachers who are there, how are they dealing with it? Right, right. Well, you know, there was some research that just came out where it talked about, you know, black women in particular and if their preference when it was time to return, what their preference was, was to return to the office, uh, to school, right, or to do it from home. And guess what? The research shows that their preference was to stay at home because the things that they had to deal with day in and day out when they show up to the office, when they show up to the school, right? Those are things that, you know, on Zoom, you don't have to navigate in the same ways. And so I think that that is is very telling. And I think that school leaders, you know, industry leaders really need to think about that of like, why would people say, wow, I feel more comfortable when I can be on this screen, because what I have to endure when I step into a space it's far worse. It's far more damaging. And so I think that, you know, folks need to pause and really think about, like, well, the why and then really try to, you know, strip away at those things. And I think that, you know, until we can get better, you know, working conditions in the sense of, again, where people feel that they can show up as their authentic selves, we're going to continue to struggle, you know, with this issue. And it can't be just lip service, right, around we we promise to do better. Well, where's the action? And how are you going to hold yourselves accountable? And then I think that that trickles over to who's in leadership, right? Because you can have, you know, black teachers, but where are the black administrators? Right. Like it, it, it's it's on so many levels. And so I think that it's a, a, a larger, you know, puzzle of sorts, you know, to put together, but really ensuring that your environment is a place where folks would actually want to come and work. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that there's that that 
that missing element. Like, why would somebody want to come and work here? What What do we offer? Are we going to ensure, you know, that they they don't have to deal with this in in you know our school community? Because I can tell you, if if you know the teachers are feeling it and they're experiencing it, the students are the very receptive. Yeah, and they pick up on wow, this is how my teachers, my black teachers are navigating this space. That definitely has a domino and a ripple effect on how those students are also navigating it. And in many instances, the student experience and the teacher experience are mirroring each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. kids don't don't have the, the, the wherewithal to try to figure out how to do that. And so exactly. then we'll see them act out or we'll see them not wanting to go to school and we won't know why. And it's because they're experiencing um, this microaggression. Now, okay, so people are hearing you. They're hearing what you're saying. And they, uh, I know you do conferences across the country, whether it is virtual or in person. And I know you have so much information um, that you share with um, educators and with schools, whether it is colleges and universities, it is public and or private schools to try to help them make these spaces better for uh, teachers who are from communities of color so that not only they can do their jobs effectively, but they can stay there and help children in the classroom, regardless of what color they are. How can folks get in touch with you? How can they find you so that if they need this work done, and and they all do, we're going to say if they need, because they need this work done, I'm going to change the if, because they need this work done, um, how can they reach out to you to get the materials um, to find out what your research says and, and to change the culture? Absolutely. Thank you. I'd love to share. So they can definitely reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, at Relinda Watts, at Relinda Speaks. Um, the website is RelindaSpeaks.com. Um, there's a host of information there and then ways to be able to get in touch with me. But, yeah, I've been working with a lot of um, a lot of folks that say, hey, let, let's try to, you know, be in conversation with each other to really think about how we can build equitable spaces. And just to your point, you know, when you have black teachers in your space, um, really all of the students thrive because diversity and specifically racial diversity, it is um, linked to academic excellence. And mm-hmm. so we really have to, that's my message, right, to really um, help people understand is that this is not a zero-sum game. We all win. We all yeah. win when everybody gets to come to that school community and feels like they can show up as their authentic self. And we don't want kids to just survive. We want them to thrive. And the only yes. way that we can get them to thrive is that everybody's got to be at that table. And we all have to say that we deserve, right, to win. And this is how yeah. we got to do it. Well, I am so glad you took the time to share this uh, with us tonight on Still Talking. Um, I know that you're going to be hit up and I'm going to be sending you all the people who DM'd and tweeted and uh, inst- uh, uh, texted me tonight because I'm like, look, I don't know nothing about this stuff. That's Relinda's thing. I just talk. She is the one. So uh, expect you to hear from uh, them and they to hear from you. And I just appreciate the work that you're doing and um, bringing this to light. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and thank you for all the work you do and keeping these conversations going. That's how we're going to do it. So thank you, and, and thanks, everybody. 
Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.